Take your Bible this morning, turn to the book of Revelation. I've had all kinds of different responses to that this morning. Somebody in the first service said, after the first service, well, if you're preaching from Revelation, are you going to tell us when the Lord's coming back? Well, no, I'm not going to do that this morning. He is the only one that knows when He's coming back. Somebody else said, well, you're preaching from Revelation. Is there something we should be worried about that we don't know about? Well, there's a lot of things we don't know, but we do know the one who's in charge. As I was praying this week and just reading and studying and thinking about what the Lord would have me preach today, I know we've been doing our series through Acts, and we'll get back to that, Lord willing, next week. But with all the things going on in our world this week and over the last several weeks, just the Lord was laying this on my heart. I wanted to take you to the back of the book this morning. Sometimes you get lost in a story. I don't know about you, I've got a big stack of books next to my bed. and um, that, That's the stack of books that I haven't finished. But once they are finished, then they go on the bookshelf and... Uh, some of those books, they start out really good. Sometimes you get bogged down in the middle and you don't get to the end of them. And I think as a believer, sometimes in life, when you trust Christ, it's a wonderful thing. As you experience the forgiveness of sin and a new relationship with Jesus Christ. I think for the believer... As we think about the end and eternity, which isn't really the end, it's just the beginning of eternity, but that sounds exciting and wonderful. But right now we're in that middle portion. And sometimes we can get bogged down as we look at the world around us, as we even look at our own lives and the things that we face and go through on a daily basis. It can be discouraging, disheartening challenging for us to live. And so in light of the current world situation that we find ourselves in, I wanted to take us this morning to the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. Hopefully it'll be a reminder for some of us this morning, an encouragement. It might be a challenge to you today of what's coming where our hope is as believers. I'm going to take the time this morning just to read to you the entire chapter of Revelation 22. And then we'll look at it this morning together, and I hope it'll be a help. Revelation 22, verse 1, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, Proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree, listen to this, were for the healing of the nations. Isn't that wonderful to know that there will be a healing of the nations that come. The healing's not going to come through the European Union, through NATO, through the United Nations. It's not going to come through the wars of man. It's not going to come through the appeasement of dictators. The healing of the nations comes from the tree of life. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. And they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. They shall need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth 
them light. He truly is the light of the world. And they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. What an encouragement. We live in a world today of moral relativism. Your truth, my truth, their truth, however you spin the truth. No, he says, these sayings, God's word is faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. These things will take place very soon. He said, behold, I come quickly. Hope you'll notice that phrase because it's repeated several times in this chapter. I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down, listen to this, to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. John got confused here and he fell down to worship the messenger, the angel who was telling him these things. But the angel saith unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren the prophets and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. Wow. So many people so busy worshiping so many things. But the only person that's truly worthy of our worship is God, our Lord. Worship God. Don't worship an angel. Don't worship a prophet. Don't worship some other person. Worship God. And he saith unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. In other words, don't, don't conceal these things. Don't cover them up. Everybody needs to know about this truth because the time, the Lord's return, is at hand. It's near. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, here's the second time, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life. And they enter in through the gates into the city, for without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Did you hear that? There's a city and there's people inside the city and people who are outside the city. Those who are in the, in the city are those who have partaken of the tree of life. The tree of life is a picture of Jesus Christ who gave His life so that we might have eternal life through Him. So if you've come in through the tree of life, you can be inside the city. Those outside are the sinners. But as Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, as he listed out all these sins, he said, And such were some of you. He's not saying that the people inside the city have never sinned. He's saying they've come in through the tree of life, the one who cleanses us from all sin. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, and let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. 
He which testifieth these things saith, here's the third time, surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I'm thankful this morning that we have the Word of God, that His Word is faithful and true. Paul wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy, on several different occasions to warn him that as people continued forward, there would come a day when people would not want to listen to the truth. He wrote in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1, he says, Now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. He wrote in his second letter, 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4, he said, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't want to listen to the truth. But after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You'll always find somebody to tell you what you want to hear. But we need to go to the Word of God to hear what God wants us to hear. What God wants to tell you may not be what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear because God's Word is the truth. Verse 4 of 2 Timothy 4 says, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Why would people rather listen to lies than the truth? Because the truth is like a light. When that light shines on your life, it reveals what's really going on. As long as you listen to lies, you can find somebody else who's worse than you. You can find someone else who has bigger problems than you do. You can always point the finger at someone else and say, they are the problem, but the truth reveals, no, I have a problem. My problem is sin. See, the time has come when people won't listen to the truth. This is sadly true not only in our culture, it's also true in our churches today. People have an itch for novelty. Make me feel good, but don't challenge me too much or confront me. As a believer, we must preach the Word. Don't compromise, even if it's not politically correct. Why? Because Jesus is coming again. See, if He wasn't really coming, none of this would matter. We could just throw our Bibles to the side and get up and walk out of here and go do something else. But that's not the truth. The truth is Jesus is coming again. I mean, if He wasn't coming again, none of this would matter. It would be better to believe a lie than to believe the truth. You ought to just go and live however you want to live. But that's a lie. The truth is Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. This morning I want to make sure that we are ready for His coming. How do you get ready? Well, I think it's interesting because in His three statements of that He's coming quickly, He gives us a challenge. He gives us some encouragement, a reminder this morning of how to be ready when Jesus comes again. You notice the first one in verse 7 when he says, Behold, I come quickly. And then he says this, Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Keepeth. That word keep means to hold on tightly to, to protect, to value. I think you could break down this idea of keeping his word in, in three different ways. The first would be to read His Word, to read His Word. Revelation 1 and verse 3, it says, Blessed is he that readeth, and, he that hear, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. If we're going to keep God's Word, if we're going to value it, if we're going to show that it's really worthy of our attention, we ought to read it. It ought to be something that we consume on a regular basis. Sadly, today, though, 
reading of God's Word is at probably one, an all-time low. There are too many other things. People say, well, this is boring. This is hard to understand. This is not that interesting. Is it even relevant? These are all questions you'll hear. The truth is that this is the truth. We live in a world that so often is caught up in a false reality, a make-believe reality. Often reading other books or watching movies, social media, video games, all these things, while on the surface may be okay and have their place. If we allow our minds to be consumed by those things, we can find ourselves living in an alternate reality. One of our own construction or someone else's construction where they set the rules, the parameters. This is what is fun. This is what winning is. This is how success comes. But instead of living in some man-made false reality, we must submit ourselves to the truth of God's Word. Because God's Word is true. Read God's Word. I think if we're going to keep His Word, that also would entail the idea of hearing God's Word. To hear it. If you really hear God's Word, you're, um, it's amazing how this world that we live in, while it can be confusing, begins to make a whole lot more sense. Did you know there's nothing new under the sun? History, as they say, tends to repeat itself. And those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it, right? Right along with it. I am so thankful for the Word of God. The more you read it and study it, you realize there is nothing new. All of these, these things that are taking place should not surprise us because they are right in line with the sin nature of mankind. They are right in line with the Word of God that said that things will get worse and worse. Things aren't getting better. Things are getting worse. As we listen carefully to God's Word, it helps us to make better sense of the world that we currently live in. This past week, our family got to travel and spend some time together. We had lots of fun. It was very warm. It was the warmest ski trip we've ever taken. But all, of the, um, all the cousins were together, and in the evenings we enjoyed singing together, and Micah played his guitar, and Trevor even preached to us on Thursday night, did a great job. We really had a great time, all of us crammed together in this little living room at the house. Were there 19 of us staying at the house? I think so. 19 of us and four bedrooms and four bathrooms. It was exciting. And uh, we made it work, though, and we just kind of all crammed in. Our family of seven was in our one bedroom together, and that was special. And uh, <clears throat> you know what? If the pioneers did it, we can do it for a week, right? And we survived. We had a great time. But, you know, on the way back, we, we were rushing. We, our shuttle that was supposed to pick us up and take us to the airport didn't come. So we were scrambling around trying to get multiple Ubers to get 19 people back to the airport. <clears throat> and so we eventually made it just in time. And we're running through the airport and the Salt Lake City Airport. You have to go a mile to get to your plane. I don't know who designed the airport, but they, they didn't know what they were doing. It makes no sense whatsoever, especially if you're in Terminal B, which is when you have to hike the farthest. You hike for probably 15 minutes, and then you see a sign saying Terminal B, and you go down, and then it says seven minutes to the gates, and it's a seven-minute walk, and then you get there, and it's still another. So you can walk for a good 30 minutes just to get to your gate, and that's after you get through security. It's wild. So we all just barely made our flight. We get on, and I was in that special seat where you can just reach back like this and touch the toilet. That's how far back in the plane I was. I was the very back seat right on the aisle. It's the best smelling seat on the plane. It's the most comfortable seat. It's the seat that anytime there's any turbulence, you, you feel like you're just you know on the back of the, 
just riding the whip, you know, and just banging up and down. And we hit a little bit of turbulence coming out and getting up over the mountains and coming back here. And I remember when all of a sudden the, uh, the flight attendant came on saying, the captain has put on the seatbelt sign because we're experiencing turbulence. And you know what? I paid attention to what she had to say. See, often when you get on a plane, you don't pay much attention at all to what the flight attendant has to say. They're saying something about how to buckle your seat belt and, you know, insert this here and do this there and what to do with your mask in case of uh, need of oxygen on the plane. Although I did catch recently that now they're telling you you need to take your mask off before you put the oxygen mask on. So I'm glad they've clarified that. And that definitely keeps us all safer as we're on the plane for sure. Anyway, I just think that stuff is crazy. The world that we live in today, right? But here we go. So we're sitting on the plane, and all of a sudden, we're bouncing up and down pretty good. And the flight attendant says, buckle up your seatbelt. You know what? I listened to that. Why? Because I was feeling myself jolting up and down. And I thought, this is a little bit spooky. I hope I don't fly out of my seat. I've learned that you tend to listen better when you're in a situation that you feel like, I better listen. If I don't, something bad could happen. Sadly, we live in a world today, I think, that's been lulled to sleep spiritually. We no longer listen to God's word because it doesn't seem like we really need to. One of the challenges of prophecy especially here in Revelation. It's a call for us to listen up and pay attention because he's telling us about what is coming. And he says, Behold, I come quickly. If the Lord's coming quickly, then you ought to pay attention to his word, to read it and to hear it because it matters. When you get on the plane and you're sitting on the ground, it doesn't seem to matter that much on how to buckle your seatbelt or what to do with your oxygen mask. But let me tell you, if all of a sudden those masks come down from the ceiling, I guarantee you some people are going to be sitting up and saying, how do I put this mask on? What do I do? Because all of a sudden now it's an emergency. What the Lord does for us here in Revelation 22 is say, listen up, I'm coming quickly. Keep. God's Word. Keep it. We keep it as we read it, as we hear it, and I would say also, of course, as we obey it. As we obey it. God doesn't give us Bible prophecy just to entertain us. He gives us prophecy so that we'll sit up and pay attention and then we'll take heed to obey, to do what the Word of God says. Peter wrote about this in his second epistle in 2 Peter 3.11. He said, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, this world will be dissolved. He says, what manner of persons ought you to be in all conversation and godliness? This world is coming to an end. So how should you live? How should you live today? Are you living in the reality of Christ's soon return you're just saying well I don't know what's going to happen maybe the news will tell me they don't know I'm thankful that we have the word of God that is true and you know as he emphasizes here for us in verse 6 these sayings are faithful and true God's word is true all the way from the past, all the way to the future. It's easy to look at things and have the idea that, well, it's only true if I can see it for myself. Well, truth does not reside just within you. You are not the source of all truth. God is the source of all truth. It's the same thing a child has to learn when mom or dad tells them to do something to eat something, to put something on that they don't want to do. We had that experience this week. As we were getting ready to go outside, 
Even though it's cold when you go skiing, the sun is very bright and it reflects off the snow. Some of the little ones struggled to put on sunscreen. I don't want sunscreen. Only they said it a lot louder than that. There were lots of tears, lots of crying. But those who did not get their sunscreen applied properly really regretted it later. Why? For the child, the truth is sunscreen is bad. That's their truth. The parent understands, no, sunscreen will help you so you don't get cooked. And a few of them did because they didn't put their sunscreen on. See, truth does not reside within you and me. We're not the source of truth. So when it comes to truth, we have to be willing to say, wait a minute, there's a greater source of truth than me. It's God's word. So I need to be willing to listen to it, to obey it. Because God's word is true. Jesus is coming again, so you must keep His word. I want you to look at his second statement when he says, I come quickly in verse 12. He says, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Jesus is coming again, so you must do his work. Do his work. He says in verse 14, Blessed are they that do his commandments. Do His commandments. His soon return ought to motivate us to keep His word. His soon return should motivate you to do His work. Do what He tells you to do. Notice here He says, My reward is with me. One thing that many Christians have talked about for many years, because the Word of God teaches this, is that someday when we reach heaven, there are going to be crowns, special places, mansions that He's prepared in heaven. We often think of the wonderful rewards that await us when we get to heaven. And that's what Jesus says here. I'm coming quickly and I'm bringing my rewards with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Have you ever seen somebody get an award that you felt like they really didn't deserve it? Or maybe it was just an award because the person giving it to them had also received a reward from that person, so they're sort of just giving rewards to each other just to make it look like, you know, well, you owe me and I owe you, so, so we'll just give each other awards. I was on our trip this week, and I drove past this development that said, Home Builder of the Year. And underneath it said, you know, from this particular mag, as voted by, Mountain Living Magazine. I thought, well, I don't know. It's probably all fine. But the cynic in me looked at that sign and I thought, I wonder if the people that own that magazine are the same people that own that, are, are that, is that home builder. Maybe they gave themselves the award, the home builder of the year. Stranger things have happened. But you know, Christ is coming and he's bringing rewards with him. But these rewards, he says, are to give every man according as his work shall be. What's your work like? Jesus compared our work in two categories. He said it'll either be like gold, silver, and precious stones, or it'll be like wood, hay, and stubble. And he said all of that, the gold, silver, precious stones, the wood, hay, stubble, they will all be put through the same fire. What comes out on the other side will prove what is valuable and what's not. I would just ask you to take stock of your own life this morning. Pile it all up. If it goes through the fire, what's left? Is there anything left? He rewards us as our work shall be. There's even a challenge here back in verse 11. 
And I think it speaks to this idea of our work and what it's like. He says, he that's unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. This is a warning that your decisions have consequences. Those who walk in an unrighteous or a wicked way, there are consequences as a result of that. Those who walk in a holy way have the blessings of holy living. Now, some might hear this and say, well, are you saying that you have to work your way into a relationship with God? No. And you'll see that in the next point, so hang on. But what it is saying is those who are believers in Christ, there ought to be something about their life and the way that they live that is befitting of a reward. There ought to be some work as a result of the relationship that you have with Christ. You ought to have something to show for the time, the talents, the treasure that God has entrusted you with. Keep reading down. He talks about those who are inside the city and those outside the city, verses 14 and 15. Verse 16, Jesus says, He sent His angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I want to make sure that you have the truth of God's Word, and praise God we do, of who Jesus is, that He's the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. I want you to jump down and see his warning again in verse 18 and 19. He says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add to these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. One of the things that I was sad about, I was talking with my I got more practice with my Spanish this week. And uh, he had moved to Salt Lake because he had converted to Mormonism. He was a very nice man, very kind. He even held it. He was playing some kind of music on his phone. He held out his phone to me. He said, why don't you type in the music that you want to listen to? So we listened to some music, some scripture songs on the way down. And I thought, well, this would be helpful. Maybe it would be a blessing to us instead of whatever he was listening to. He was very kind. He was nice. But he's lost. I said, well, how do you know? Well, sadly, the church that's called of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints adds to the Word of God. Anytime a church says, well, follow the Bible, and they use the same terminology we do, they say, but you also need to follow this over here as well. We've added to the Word of God. Anytime a church says, well, you need to follow the Bible, but there are portions of it that we don't think matter for us, well, now we have a problem as well. And that's where the warning is in verse number 18. I'm sorry, verse 19, if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Isn't it interesting that of the last four verses in the entire Bible, two of them are warnings about the sanctity of God's word, the holiness that is God's word. Hey, my friends, this morning, let's be careful. We don't add to or take away the word from the Word of God. You can see that even in its very insidious nature when Satan tempted Christ in the wilderness. You know, three different times the devil quoted from the Bible. So does that mean the devil's a Christian? No. No, you say, why? Because he was distorting God's word. He was taking the word of God and trying to twist it to make it say something that it didn't say. 
You see, we, we devalue God's word when we distort it, twist it to our own purposes, try to get it to prove what we want to do anyway. I find this happens a lot when people are looking to justify their own actions. Often people will make up their mind about something. Well, this is just the way I see it. And then they'll go find a verse to support it. Here's the problem with that. Even if you might somehow be right, here's the problem with it. You should never start with yourself. You should always start with the Word of God. If you come first with yourself and then say, well, let me find something to support my position, you're already in the wrong because you have the wrong attitude about it. Our attitude ought to be, no, Lord, you first. All right, Lord, what does the Word say? Okay, now how do I change to be in line with what the Word says? When it starts with you, it's always going the wrong direction. When it starts with God, you can be what He wants you to be and where He wants you to be. Don't look at your life and say, well, I just need to find answers to, to fix my problems for where I'm at right now. No, we ought to first say, Lord, show me what you want me to be. Because the amazing thing is, if you'll walk with Christ, He'll make you who, into who you need to be. He will answer your questions. He will fix your problems. But it must start with Him. There's a final statement here in verse 20 where Jesus says, Surely I come quickly. I come quickly. Because of His soon return, we must keep His word. Because of His soon return, we must do His work. But because of His soon return... We must receive His invitation. His invitation. Go back, you'll see this invitation clearly. In verse 17, He says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Who's the Spirit? This is the Holy Spirit of God. In your Bible, it's probably capitalized. This is the Holy Spirit that draws men unto Himself, that convicts, that moves, that challenges us from within. The Holy Spirit says, come, come. But it's not just the Spirit. He also says in the bride. Who's the bride? That's the church. The church. The church ought to be saying, come, come to Jesus. The Spirit says, come. The bride says, come. And then he says, and let him that heareth say, come. Who are those people? Those are the believers, the Christians. Those who have heard, that are heeding, that are obeying the Word of God. Hey, Christian, our greatest invitation ought to be, come. I love what Paul the Apostle said. He said, I made it that I didn't know anything else among you other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was crucified and that He rose again. What's your invitation this morning? We ought to be saying, come. And then he says, and let him that is a thirst come. So there are those who give the invitation, the spirit, the bride, and him that heareth. And there are those who can be the recipients of the invitation. Him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. This makes me think of the story in John chapter 4 of Jesus there as he passed through Samaria, he came to that well outside the town of Sychar. And this woman, a woman who was an outcast among her own people, the Bible tells us she had had five husbands. And she was living with a sixth man who wasn't her husband. That's a lot of different men. She comes in the middle of the day to this well and she meets Jesus and do you remember what happened Jesus looked at her and he asked her to give him a drink 
And then Jesus offered to give her water. And she looked at him and she said, Sir, you have no means to draw this water. How are you going to get the water out of the well? And he says, the water that I give you, if you'll drink of it, what did he say? He said, you'll never thirst again. That's pretty incredible water. And he offers her this water. She trusts in him. She understands her sin. He tells her about it. She confesses it. She trusts in Jesus. And what does she do? She goes running back to her town. And she tells everybody. And she says, come and see a man who told me all that I've ever done. He knows everything about me. In the meantime, Jesus' disciples get back. They just came back from Panera Bread, the sandwich shop, whatever. They, they went to eat lunch. And they come and they see Jesus. They say, Lord, aren't you hungry? He said, I've had meat to eat that you know not of. And he said, behold, look into the fields for they are white, all ready to harvest. Why? Because the whole town came out to see Jesus. They came. That day in Samaria, there was a thirsty woman. She was thirsty, yes, for physical water. But Jesus pointed out that she had a much deeper need, a much stronger thirst that could never be quenched by physical water. She needed living water. And that's a water that only Jesus Christ can give. And as He gave her that water and she received it and trusted in Him, it changed her entire life. And this is the same invitation that we have now in Revelation twenty two seventeen. He says, let him that is a thirst come and let whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. See, this is not some kind of religious experience. This is a relationship with God. You say, well, how do you know it? Because he says, take of this water and take it freely. Religion will say, well, if you come, you have to do it this way. You've got to come. You've got to pay this money. You've got to kind of come to my church. You've got to dress like I dress. You've got to do it this way. That's religion. But Jesus says, no, just come and drink freely. My friend, this morning, have you tasted of this water that is free for you today? This water that can quench your thirst and forgive your sin? It's the water of life. He says, if you're thirsty, come. And he says, whosoever will, come. People say, well, I can't come. I have other things that are keeping me busy. Don't forget, Christ is coming quickly. I can't come right now. I got to clean up some other things first. No, he says, whosoever will may come. Well, I can't come right now because I'm not ready to make a commitment. I hope you understand salvation is so, so much more than you making a commitment to God, because your commitment to God is pretty worthless. Salvation is God's gift to you. He's offering it freely. Will you come? Will you come? See, these are the last words of Jesus Christ that are recorded for us in Scripture. Surely I come quickly. When Noah built the ark, God said, Come, come into the ark. When Moses stood before the people of Israel, he said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come and stand. By me. In Isaiah 55, Isaiah wrote, Ho, everyone that thirsts, let him come and drink. And Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
said, here's the water of life. I'm offering it to you. I'm offering it to all of humanity. See, the only thing that can satisfy your thirst is Jesus. Drugs can't satisfy your thirst. Alcohol can't satisfy your thirst. Friends can't satisfy your thirst. Personal relationships can't satisfy your thirst. Money can't satisfy your thirst. Only God can satisfy. He says, come. Come. He wants you to live every day as if it were your last day because he's coming quickly. John, as he heard Christ say, surely I come quickly for this third time, he responds in verse 20 and he says, amen, even so come Lord Jesus. I can imagine why John's response was, amen, even so come Lord Jesus. You know who John was? He was a man who went through incredible physical persecution because he chose to follow God. The history books even tell us that John was boiled in oil. As he's writing these words, he was exiled on the island of Patmos because of his faithful declaration of the gospel. This was a man who knew great physical pain. I'm sure great emotional pain as he separated from his family and his friends, his loved ones. Why would somebody go through any of that or all of that? The only explanation I have is because he believed the word of God. When Christ says, surely I come quickly. And you can then better understand why his response was, Amen, even so, Lord Jesus, come. I don't know about you, but as I've looked out, as I've kind of thought through my own struggles with the world as it currently sits, especially over the last several years, I think a lot of those things that sometimes you think, well, all right, Lord, I want you to come back, but wait a little bit longer because I want to have this experience first or I want to do that first. Some of, those, some of that luster has been taken away, and I just say, Lord, come quickly. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't look forward to things on this earth. They're wonderful things. A couple weeks ago, I got to enjoy the birth of my newest nephew. That's exciting. There are those in our church family looking forward to getting married. That's exciting. There are those who are looking forward to all kinds of special things coming up in their lives. Kids, I know, looking forward to birthdays. Although I found out for some people as they get older, they look forward to their birthdays less. But they seem to come faster, you know, kind of backwards that way. There are a lot of things we can look forward to in this life. I'm not saying we shouldn't enjoy this life. We should. God's put us here to enjoy this earth that he's put us on. But can I just encourage you this morning, don't enjoy this life so much you forget he's coming quickly. And there's something so much better that he's prepared for us. There can be so many discouragements, struggles, difficulties, and all kinds of things along the way. But he's coming quickly. The question is, Will you come so that you're ready when he comes? You may be here this morning and you've never trusted Christ. Christ is this one speaking and saying over and over, he's coming quickly, he's coming quickly, he's coming quickly. If you'll believe on him, confessing your sins, he'll forgive you. And he'll give you eternal life. See? Why would he do that for me? What do I have to do? Nothing. It's a gift. It's a gift. Some people say, well, I don't trust gifts. But he says, if you're going to come to him, you have to come by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Trust in him. He says, if you'll come to me, I'll never cast you out. 
He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's never been one person ever in all of history that has put their trust in Christ and not received his gift of salvation. And that can be you this morning. Now maybe, I know in church on a Sunday morning, I'm talking to many people who have trusted in Christ. That's a blessing. Christian, don't stop drinking of the water of life freely. Run back again to the precious truth that is the gospel and the hope that we have in Christ's soon return. And be reminded of that. Because guess what? Monday's coming. Challenges are all around us. We may turn on the news this afternoon or tomorrow and find some a whole new thing going on. I saw somebody on the news the other day telling us how to be prepared in case of nuclear warfare here. Boy, something you wouldn't think you'd have to see on the news because we thought the Cold War's long over, right? Well, here we are again. Nothing new. You say, what do we do? What's our hope? Our hope's in Jesus. And he's coming quickly. Let's be ready. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for this time that we could look at it. I pray that it would be an encouragement and a help. Because we need it today. Help us to leave here with our eyes on you today. We'd take them off the things of this world when we see the struggle around us. We'd just take it to you in prayer. Lord, we go into your word and find the answers. Continue to walk by faith. It doesn't mean we won't have struggle or difficulty. But Lord, we know that you'll be with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us. We thank you for your truth today. Pray that you bless us now as we respond to your truth in Jesus' name.